from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. A lot of those repairs, like we have, it took us 10 years, DIY, you know, sweat equity, raising money however we could to do it, but we've uh, undeniably saved that building, which, I mean, we'd all be here talking about a pile of rubble. I mean, that's one of the main premises of skateboarding. It builds determination because of the fact that it's not like a test at school. You can't, like, have somebody else do it for you. Like, if you're going to kickflip, you have to do the kickflip. I think kids in general in St. Louis and a lot of underserved places need spots like this, you know? Yeah. And so, like, building this art center, not just the skate park, but, like, the skate park is, like, the tip of the spear. Mm-hmm. And that, like, working with a lot of kids, it you know, the kids in. yeah, it's hard to get through with a lot of kids. I'm Sarah Fenske. For 10 years, the coolest secret in St. Louis has been hiding in plain sight. It began its life in 1856 as St. Laborious Catholic Church, built by German Catholics in North St. Louis. But the parish closed in 1992, and after a stint as a homeless shelter, the deconsecrated church became something uniquely St. Louis, a place that combines the flying buttresses of a Gothic revival cathedral with city museum-style daring do. It's gone from St. Laborious to Skate Laborious, a skate park with features that include the largest indoor halfpipe in the Midwest, and it attracts skaters and daredevils from all over the world. Our producer, Laura Hamden, stopped by Thursday to talk to some of them. My name is Avian Duke and I started coming here around 2015 so I was 15 years old and I just found out because I knew everybody who skated here and I was still young it was kind of like a lot of older people hung around here and yeah that's how I started out. How do you see this place fitting in with the larger um, skate scene here in St. Louis? Um, I think it fits in with a lot of people besides skateboarders. It's like anybody between like artists, people who like playing music in here because acoustics are really good. Um, but everybody who skates or does anything who likes to be here is welcome. Uh, my name is Victoria. Um, I live in St. Louis. My husband and I moved here from Boston about five years ago. My husband rides BMX and I roller skate. We started to get more involved when they started to build the vert ramp. What was your first experience when you walked through the doors? I'm sure you didn't see something like this before. Yeah, it, it, it's honestly been one of the reasons that we have stayed in St. Louis. Um, we just bought a house out here and I, there's Nowhere else in the U.S. that I know of that's quite like this. I, we do a lot of traveling and going to different skate parks, but the there's nothing like the skate church. <laughs> it's like a destination for a lot of people. So I know so many different people around the U.S. that I've met because they'll hit me up on the internet and be like, I want to check out Skate Laborious. We're going to do a road trip. Could you help us get in there? Um, so it's it draws people to St. Louis. For it to be your local park feels amazing. And, and is amazing. Like, it's, it's really, I feel very lucky to live so close. Mike Verhoff, Overland, Missouri. Um, my name is Ava, but my skate name is Pushy. And I live in Overland with him. And... I found it through him. What was your first thought once you walked through those doors? 
you know, saw it. Crazy, you know. What the? F- <laughs> That's like actually what I thought. I was like, "Are you serious?" Because like the ceiling is so high and like the paintings and it, everything is so detailed, and then there's a skate park. It's like a dreamland. I don't know. It's crazy. What kind of people do you hang out with here? Um, mainly just like everybody that was here, basically, just my skate friends. Elaborate on that a little bit. These aren't other 15-year-olds. Most of the friends my age aren't really into this. I actually don't really know anybody my age that's into this. But So it's mostly like 30-year-olds that I skate with, but it's still really fun because, you know, they welcome me in, and I feel like I'm part of their group even though I'm so young. Did you expect that to happen as her dad? Kind of, because I know... When I got into skateboarding, like, it was dying, and the only guys that were left were a little older, and, but it is what it is, dude, and, like, everybody's, they're great people, you know, so it doesn't matter. Well, what do you make of this place and their role in her journey? I think it's, it's crazy. I mean, like, they've given her a private skate park to utilize to grow your talent, and it's great to have people behind you that are willing to offer up their space for you to grow your talent, no questions asked. You know? For free? For free, yeah, it's it's something to behold. Uh, my name is Jasmine, I'm from Chicago, but I've lived in St. Louis for about four and a half years. Um, and I think I heard about the church just through some friends skating. What's a memory that you always cherish about, about this place? Oh boy, probably dropping into the vert ramp. Um, and that was only back in August. Um, it was probably like one of the scariest things I've ever done. Um, and like Dave was here and Brian was here and Joss was here and a bunch of our friends were here and they were all, there was music playing and they were all standing here like cheering for me and they were like, you got this, you could do this, you could do this. And I stood up there for probably like an hour. And then finally I did it and I remember Dave was like, fear you don't need that and then I was like okay and then when he said that I dropped in I fell but (laughs) but I did it and then I went right back up and I did it again so it was it's definitely like gonna be the most memorable experience here it like changed my life And that is Lara Hamden reporting from Skate Laborious in the St. Louis Place neighborhood. That gleeful moment at the end came when Jasmine finally landed a Miller flip. That's something she's worked on for months. And she nailed it on her last night in St. Louis before moving to New Orleans. Now it's not just Jasmine's life changing. After a decade underground, Skate Laborious is going legit with plans to further serve the kids who've long frequented it. And joining us now with more on that is Dave Bloom. He's the founder and co-owner of Skate Laborious. Dave, welcome. Hey, how's it going? And we're also joined by co-owner and construction manager, Brian Bedwell. Brian, welcome. Hello, thank you for having us. So Dave, you guys are going legit. What made you decide to do that after all these years kind of being underground, quasi-legal, probably more illegal than (laughs) (laughs) quasi-legal? I mean, we kind of had to after all this time. I mean, building an art center in St. Louis has always kind of been our goal. I mean, me and Brian, goal since since day one. Um, And we, you know, skateboarding was sort of like a, 
like an avenue to, to get there. And we built a skate park um, as like a, a way of, you know, working with kids. And, and um, also we all, you know, just love skateboarding. And I mean, Brian can speak more about like the power skateboarding has kind of in working with youth in, uh, in our city. But I mean, it was just time to kind of, kind of bite the bullet and do it. I mean, you can only kind of be an underground venue for so long, you know, eventually people were starting to get like, you know, over 10,000 followers on Instagram. Like people knew about it. And, and, uh, but we, you know, we kind of wanted to pull the trigger on actually really doing the work that we set out to do from day one. Brian, what, what took you guys so long? I mean, really, when he says, you know, 10,000 people following you, this was something that a whole lot of people knew about. Well, definitely. I think that a lot of that had to do with helping us push us towards, you know, obviously going legit. But this, at the same time, it's um, it's one of those things we've been working on it for so long. There's a lot of things, um, I mean, especially with the as far as construction is concerned, it's really, really expensive, especially if you're doing it with permits and everything else. And um, whenever you have people come through to look at things, and if you're capable, obviously Dave was uh, used to work at the city museum, helped build a bunch of stuff there. I have a construction background as well, and uh, so we were able to take care of a lot of it um, on our own uh, for a lot cheaper. You know, the labor, it's free labor, sweat equity type stuff, and whatever. So, um, knocking out a lot of the larger projects during that phase definitely helped to get us where we are, to, you know, to get our feet on the ground to realize that this is a possible thing that can really happen. But so. you can actually get permits right. for all the things you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of the stuff that we were doing, like at first we just had to take care of it immediately. You know, uh, I think if we'd have got the building maybe like five years later than we got it, it would have been like too far yeah. gone. Like it we was were, just falling apart. Yeah. I mean, like every time it rains, it gets a little bit worse and a little bit worse right. and a little bit worse. And I mean, there was like, but I mean, a lot of those repairs, like we have, it took us 10 years, DIY, yeah. you know, sweat equity, raising money however we could to do it. But we've uh, undeniably saved that building, which we, I mean, we'd all be here talking about a pile of rubble. Yeah. Um, well, when we get to that point where now it's to the point of where we can there is a handle on it you know what i mean it is a possibility that can last for a long time and you know we've got it under control enough to this point now to where it's this is the next step for us so, so i hate to ask the uncoolest question in the world but every time i would hear about this skate church i kept thinking what about the liability i mean you have people doing like the most dangerous things or at least they look dangerous skate at your own risk you know yeah and that's worked for you so far I mean, fingers crossed. I guess, but like, <laughs> I don't want to jinx you, but so far. Well, and other things too, as well as insurance and things like that, as well. You know, but yeah. the main idea of, of skateboarding, I feel like in general, is uh, the skate at your own risk thing. I mean, if you're going to step on a skateboard, you're going to know that there's a chance you're going to get hurt. I mean, that's one of the main premises of skateboarding. It builds determination because of the fact that it's not like a test at school. You can't like have somebody else do it for you. Like, if you're going to kickflip, you have to do the kickflip. You can't, you know, be like, I did a kickflip, but nobody saw it. Like, then it doesn't count. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you have to do it yourself. So this is part of the culture. Exactly. of skating is that people take responsibility right. if they get injured that's on them not on you yeah exactly and then also like it um that like you're responsible for your own progression in it and you know nobody can get better at it for you like people people always skate in groups together like people show up in groups but like it's a you know a community sport but an individual pursuit and that in in within that individual pursuit like a lot of other things in life don't really matter like it doesn't matter how old you are your race or yeah. creed or gender you know socioeconomic background you know while you're skating it's just you trying to do you know whatever it is you're trying to do and i mean that's a like very analogous for the type of mindset you have to have in doing anything in life yeah. so you guys have been building this up over the years fixing the kind of things like like giant leaks coming into oh, this yeah. building um so this used to be a homeless shelter it was being run by the karen house which is a catholic worker house dave how did you get involved that you ended up kind of taking possession of this building in the first place um so there's a urban farm next door to the church at new, new roots. roots yeah new, new roots, roots. Urban farm. Shout yeah. Out to antoine shout out to antoine and Mary. 
Mary. Shout out to New Roots. Um, and I run a farm with my wife in DeSoto called Such and Such Farm. And at the time, it was like 10 years ago, I didn't know anything about farming. Um, and so I just showed up there one day and was like, maybe we can work together and be sister farms. I've been a welder working for Bob Castley at the City Museum for a while. And there's a guy working on the church. And he was like, do you know anything about working on old buildings? I was like, actually, yeah, I know a lot about that. He's like, well, nobody wants to help me climb up in the tower and shovel out all the pigeon droppings. I was like, oh, that's cool. Where, where are all your shovels at? And uh, and so um, Karen House, they had the building, but they never really wanted it. Like they, mm-hmm. there was a three building complex. And once it was deconsecrated by the archdiocese, Karen House, you know, they were the archdiocese rented it, but Karen House asked to have the convent. And so they had to take, but the archdiocese was like, you can have it. You can have it for free, but you have to take all three buildings. Yeah, you know, lock, a big stock, lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah. And they were like, we don't want this big church. We're like, no, that's the deal. Well, it was a small nonprofit like them, too. It's hard for them to have the finances to, you know, take care of that building. And, yeah. For sure. I mean, and they, they did the best they could with it. I mean, they were an amazing women and children's shelter. Yeah, but, like, managing that enormous church is, like, not at all in their wheelhouse. And, like, they rented it, and it was, like, falling apart, and they just didn't have the means to maintenance it. And, like I was saying, a little bit worse, a little bit worse. It need, those buildings need a lot of maintenance. And so we just approached them. We're like, you should give us this church. You're almost at the point where, like, it's not like where you can't do repair. You have to tear huge stuff out and replace it. And that, like, adds a zero to the cost of working on the building. And they basically were like, please, please take it. And so we, we, we took it and, um, and kind of started. Uh, organically from there just so dave kind of ambled up because he's interested in farming and so ends up taking over this right. whole project brian what's your story here well um i've known dave for a, a while before that uh one of my really good friends or our mutual yeah. friends rob dixon r.i.p he uh he was dave's Robbie. roommate for a long time he helped out at the city museum and stuff and uh, me and him used to hang out all the time so that's how i met dave um but before that i was also doing um i started a nonprofit here in st louis called khvt um, we built the only, we're a skateboard advocacy group, basically. We um, built the, and fundraised and built the only public free skate park in the city limits. Um, it's over, it's uh, Peter Matthews Memorial Skate Garden over off of Morgan Ford mm-hmm. in the uh, Chippewa area. And uh, because of that, it was, you know, it's a huge volunteer thing. We paid for it all ourselves. Um, we had a lot of volunteer, you know, gusto behind us, I guess, at that point. A lot of people were, we had a, a Kings Highways Bridge that we were building, another DIY skate park, too, that got a lot of people behind us. And Dave saw the, uh, the amount of volunteers and the amount of work that they were willing to do for some skateboarding stuff. And so it was like they needed help. And uh, we were basically like, yeah, just let us put a couple of ramps in there. Maybe we can move them in and out of the way. You know, they had other plans at the beginning, you know, for different type of community, community type stuff in the church. And uh, the more and more skaters showed up, the more and more we get to take over. <laughs> so, How cool. So we kind of moved in that way. So, so sweat the, equity, you know. The super group really formed up when your third co-owner, Joss Hay, arrived. Now, he's originally from Scotland. Yes. And well, there's, sev- there's several other ones also. Oh, yeah. but oh Joss okay. There's is more definitely, than three. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's quite a few. There's only three un- I was told Uncle about. Uncle John but... Dudry. Yeah. Okay. Give him a shout out. There's a couple other people that have been there with us from the beginning. Um, yeah. we got other people that have helped us out. I mean, it takes a lot of volunteers, so it's not just us. But definitely yeah. Joss, a.k.a. Frenchie. Yeah. He's our, he's our guy, too. Yeah. So let's hear Josh. Uh, Josh explained to our producer how he found this. He had just moved to town from Scotland and was looking for new places to skateboard in St. Louis. I started doing as most people would. I used hashtags on Instagram to see where skate spots could be. I found a couple and I noticed this pretty cool church, a few ramps in it, and I thought that's my kind of place. So um, I noticed who the main proprietor of the post were, and it happened to be Brian, one of the owners of it. He responded to me and said, oh yeah, you can come along and volunteer. That's how you can get in. So I actually took a couple of days and then eventually I just sat outside um, and waited for him. And I can only imagine how that was to meet a kind of angry Scottish guy that you never met before. He's like, I want to come and volunteer, but you've been giving me the runaround. So um, ever since then, no, kind of been inseparable. 
And that is Joss Hay. So people are coming in from all different places and oh, yeah. sort of just oh, yeah. lending their sweat to this project. You never know who's going to be on the doorstep. Yeah. <laughs> people people show up all the time. And it's starting as it's been like growing really organically online. It's yeah. It's been like really interesting to see. Like, I mean, a lot of the comments, like we can't read them. They're in like other languages and stuff, well, which is. There's just so many people, like all diversity of people too. Like people that don't skate, stuff like that. We've had a ton yeah. of people. Um, Jennifer Russell helped us out a ton. She never skateboarded or anything in her life. She just liked our entrepreneurial spirits, I guess, and decided to help us out, you know, with a bunch of clerical type stuff. Um, we've had a bunch of help from all types of lawyers and marketing people, Rachel and Ryan, two, yeah. of, our, two of our marketing people have helped us out a ton. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on, like I said, of tons of people. Caleb at the very beginning was there. Tons of people were, were helping us out at the very beginning. Yeah. Y'all, y'all know who you are. We love you. Yeah. And like the l- huge amount of volunteers, too. Like when we have yeah. big volunteer skate days, like we're always blown away that like, you know, just how many people will show up and like pump shovels and clean up stuff yeah. and help us build things. Well, for the city of St. Louis being such a tough place that people think, it's really awesome to see how many people will come out. I mean, we would be nothing without all of our volunteers. Absolutely. Our and so uh, this is, we're talking today about Skate Laborious. That's the skate church you may have heard of, if you're cool, um, in North <laughs> St. Louis. I'm talking today to two of its co-owners. Uh, that's Brian Bedwell, who's also the construction manager, and Dave Bloom, who's also the founder. So, Dave, you're trying to go legit now. Yeah. Um, and you told our producer, quote, there's no system in place for renovating a building like this. This is something totally different. Yeah, not kind of in the way that we're doing it. Yeah. I don't know. I might. I mean, I spent a long time working for Bob Castley at the City Museum, so maybe that kind of influences my opinions on how to do big, large, weird <laughs> projects. Um, but, like, you know, typically I think people that go into doing a large development like this, you know, they have, like, a seven-figure budget. Mm-hmm. And through that, you can apply for all sorts of different, like, tax credits and things like that. But, like, we don't have any of those no, types of things. That's not a possibility <laughs> for us. We're not we money just, guys. We're builder guys. Yeah, we, yeah. Just have, we just have, like, tools and grit and determination and a, a vision and a bunch of, you know, like, people who want to help us do it. And so we're just doing it. And, and um, like, we have no, um, like desire to kind of like stay underground forever like we want to offer what we're doing to the whole city because i think it's a really valuable thing i think kids in general in st louis and a lot of underserved places need spots like this you know and so like building this art center not just the skate park but like the skate park is like the tip of the spear Mm -hmm. and that like working with a lot of kids you know the kids in yeah it's hard to get through to a lot of kids when you talk to people who run other art centers like they all kind of tell us the same thing they were like oh what's the hardest thing like oh just getting kids to come through the door and making them feel engaged by our programming when you talk to the kids you're like why don't you want to go to that place and be engaged by their program like other places lame man i want to go there it sucks there but like we don't have that problem the kids beat the door down to come in but when they come in then you can make a real impact on their life we want to do like welding and woodworking and And photography we have large facilities i mean the cathedral is just one space there's also the basement the same wood shop down there we have tons of available stuff to teach kids you know like dave always says they maybe they've never known how to do you know they've been to a wood shop before so they wouldn't know if they like doing woodwork or not because they never had a chance to try it so yeah you know exactly like you know if you if you, you never find out that you're going to be an amazing photographer if no one ever puts a camera in your hand especially if you grow up in a like a really underserved community you know you're just trying to survive in your neighborhood mm-hmm. a lot of it's not like in a lot of these uh, neighborhoods there's no, no lack of like talent and you know aptitude there's just a lack of opportunity to right. even be yep. able to explore and figure out what you're passionate about and skateboarding and you know um, street art and things like that are a really 
great avenue to be able to to do that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're doing, and that's the the goal. Like skateboarding is one part of it, um, and I mean, it's a big and important part of it. But it, it is just one part. But right now, we just need to raise money. We need yeah. to raise like literally like a cool million. We've to be done able it. To We've <laughs> done as much as we can off with our bootstraps. Now it's time for the other kind of help. Financially. Yeah, but you guys have raised so. some money by doing you know trying to host events and things like that. Well, what what yeah. made you decide the, the we got to go the GoFundMe route? Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean. I mean, we raised money however we could. Like, yeah. I mean, we like like I said, every time it rained, it got a little bit worse. And some of these things, yeah. like, we needed to fix it or else it's not fixable. And so, like, throwing big underground parties is a way to make some money to fix the building. And if you don't fix it eventually, there's no building left to fix. And so, but, I mean, throwing giant well, underground this, parties this, yeah. is not a long-term sustainable the size business of the model. Parties I'm glad you getting, realize that. The yeah. size <laughs> of the parties are getting pretty out of control. And you want to talk about liability and stuff. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of liability involved to bring, a, you know, 800 people into the basement of a basically abandoned building you know? yeah so, so for us it's a, it's a lot better and safer for us to you know let's do it this way and this was legit yeah and this was always our goal was to build an art center right. and a public skate park and like we never kind of took our eye off that prize but we did realize that like if we don't fix the water that pours in every time it rains or the bricks that are falling out of the wall like that's sort of a moot point to start yeah. building out silk screening and woodworking sh- you know yeah. shops in the basement and like we are lucky that we both have been in construction all our lives and we can do the work ourselves um and you the, can do this pretty cheap yeah yeah but i mean for how big a project it is yeah, it's not cheap well, we are us. cheap well, well and the yeah. thing is though for us also you have to think about it like you know we're not it's not like I have to eat too you know yeah. what I'm saying so it's like nobody's paying us to work there as well so it's one of those ideas of you know the little bit of time that you have available you know from your regular life you know I have a, I have, a, I have two children I have a newborn son and stuff and wife and everything and yeah. he's got the same thing going on yeah, I got like, a daughter and then we both have separate other business ventures you know that are trying to put the food on the table for us so yeah. it's like so at this point it's like i said the idea we've done pretty much what we can with our diy spirit and our bootstrap together whatever we can do and uh, now is whenever we need the time you know we need the help to get the, the big projects yeah. done to make it make everything super legit for so us. you have a gofundme now we have that on our website that's stlonair.show if people want to contribute to this effort yes. it's as yeah. easy as just they contributing can, they to can the also GoFundMe. check out our instagram it's, it's at skate laborious yeah. one word or yeah. our facebook too we it's also since there. 2016 have a non-for-profit that we've been running called the Laborious Urban Art Studios, the Lewis, the Lewis in St. Louis. And so if anyone wants to make like a tax deductible donation, we've, we've been yeah. doing that as well. So, and that non-profit basically, it, it is going to administer all of the youth programming stuff that we're going to do. So yeah. like our board of They're directors is going to run all the programming. Exactly. Yeah. Run all the programming. So Dave, I got to ask you, in addition to the fundraising work you're trying to do, um, in August, you went and met with the city zoning committee. Yeah. Did they yeah, have any did. idea what was about to hit them? <laughs> Like here's our vision. They had an idea. Yeah, they knew. I mean, I, I, I mean, I got the impression. They've known about us. They were really cool. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'll be honest. Like, you know, I was really nervous going into it. And again, that might have been uh, working for Bob for so long that he instilled yeah. in, he instilled in me a healthy disdain for bureaucrats. But like, uh, um, but you know, like that's not always. You know, that, that was sort of Bob. That's not necessarily me. Um, the attitude that we got from the city of St. Louis was, "How can we help you to do this?" That's Which terrific. Yeah, was, it, was a, um, it was a lot better response than what we thought. I mean, we've been hiding in the shadows for years, yeah, being like, "Don't, yeah. don't look at us." And then now all of a sudden, like, hey, we kind of want to help you. We're like, yeah, okay. it was awesome. Like, we haven't done any local press until now. Like, this, like, yeah. we, we've been, I think, hit up by every, I mean, I'm between we were, like, you and Atlas Obscura and stuff, but nobody in St. Louis knew about us. Yeah, like, we did Vice <laughs> News and HBO, but we didn't do, you know, like, we're like, I don't know, the code enforcement guys, they don't necessarily watch Vice News. They watch the six o'clock news, though. We're not doing that, though. So, <laughs> yeah. like, um, but now, you know, like, but, 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 like, we don't want to stay underground and kind of continue doing this. We want to be able to provide these services for, for everyone. For anybody, yeah. Because it's, I think, it's, it, St. Louis needs this type of stuff. It needs, like, interesting, epic 
third spaces that kids want to go to that help to, like you know enrich enrich their lives. So you can yeah. figure out you know what you love and how to pursue it. Something to do that's safe and not you know it's, it's productive. So Joss Hay, who again is is one of the owners of this at this point, he explained to our producer how the skate park helps kids and how it's going to continue to do that. Everyone's going to have a slightly different experience, but some of the key takeaways are going to be not giving up when you you fail, um, just a determination to get out there, be creative, and just to realize that it doesn't matter what race, shape, age, gender, sexual orientation, none of that matters when there's a piece of wood with four wheels beneath your feet. What matters is standing upright and not getting hurt and making sure that everyone else around you is safe. So there's there's a lot of takeaways where it just builds community and, and builds respect for people to to really lift others up and and just support them no matter who they are. And that again is Joss Hay. Brian, have you seen that with kids you've worked with already uh, through, you know, the existing programs? Oh, definitely. I mean, the um, the other nonprofit, KHVT, has been around for 11 years now. And, um, I mean, working in on the DIY stuff here in St. Louis has at least been 15 to 20 years for me. And, I mean, there's plenty of kids now that I know that were like, you know, 15, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old when we first started building the bridge and stuff. And then now they're like welders and like union carpenters and like all these different trades they got just from being able to see us doing the things and helping us out with it and realizing hey they, they like that you know so not just learning how to skateboard but learning how to construct yep, things yep. all kinds of skills from it there's a, like a, like you like david said earlier there's a huge community it's not just uh and, and josh said there's a you know there's it could it could be anybody i mean whenever we first started khvt the reason why we started is because there's a lawyer a fancy lawyer was like down there skateboarding and that's what he did and because of that we were able to learn a bunch of things i mean i was able to start holding like board of directors meetings and i was like 25 years old, not know what the hell is going on. Like, you know, this dirty skater kid and we're doing that, you know, and like just because of the, the you know, the, the ties that you make from all the different people that are in there. So that being said, that community is also the same community that can pass on other things to the children that are, you know, below and see like, hey, this guy's a lawyer, but he still skateboards and he's cool with me. So that means that I could skateboard and still do other things, you know, and Be stuff a like that. One day. Yeah. yeah. And, and just anything like that. Well, and then on top of that, like I said, just the volunteering alone that shows you, you know, stuff that you can do that you never might have known you could do, you know. So the skating yeah. brings people together and from there they can go in any number of directions. And it feels good. It feels yeah. good to do work. Like to like to yeah. have a goal and to work with a group of people to like and achieve for the greater good, you yeah. know. Achieve a goal like to do like things that are difficult and rewarding. Like, you know, yeah. and that like I think it um in building the the, the skate park and working on the building and like all the work that Brian's done at KHVT like I think uh, a lot of people have to be you know like introduce that they're like like yo it, like it feels really good to work with a big group of people yeah. to build something that Our has a common days, benefit yeah. yeah for everyone and to put do your part and then enjoy the fruits of your labor like that's like yeah. deeply satisfying on like a gen, like a DNA level well it's been great to hear about this work and everything you guys have planned I think this is such an exciting project Dave Bloom I want to thank you for joining us today thanks for having me and Brian Bedwell thank you thanks for having us. This episode was produced by Laura Hamden with audio engineering by Aaron Dore and production assistance from Jane Mather Glass. It was mixed and edited by Jane. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. 
St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.